scripture reading today will come from Galatians 5, verses 20 through, 22 through 26. If you don't have a Bible, there should be a Bible in front of you in the pew pockets. Um, take that as our gift to you. Um, the scripture in that Bible is on page 633. Again, the scripture reading in Galatians 5, verses 22 through 26. And the scripture reads, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited provoking one another, envying one another. This is the word of God to us. Amen. If you were, if you were here last week, we began the this, this section of Paul's letter to the Galatians um, where it is encouraging, where Paul is encouraging the Galatians and therefore he's encouraging us to walk according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. And I hope that it was impressed upon you last week that the flesh, that the flesh is no slouch. Brothers and sisters, the flesh is a beast whose desire is against the spirit. It wants to oppose the spirit at every turn, setting potholes, distracting billboards, huge boulders, and other obstructions for those seeking to walk according to the Spirit. And so as you heard last week, to walk by the Spirit is to do war with the flesh, being ready and even proactive in combating the works of the flesh. But the question continues to be, well, well, how do I fight these works of the flesh, these, these works of the flesh that Paul lists for us in Galatians, like sexual immorality and impurity, sensuality and idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgy, and things like these. These are the, the works of the flesh that, that deal deadly blows on a daily basis. Landmines that we encounter on a regular basis. With such, with such an opposing enemy, how does one combat the flesh? How do you go to war with an enemy that seems to have so many weapons? The first thing, the first thing that you must realize is that the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. I know it sounds cliche. If you, if you are a fan of Yolanda Adams, you've heard her blow out that song very well. I know it sounds cliche and you hear it all the time. The, the battle is not yours, it's the Lord. But brothers and sisters, that is true. And boy, 
boy, is it comforting. I don't care how many weapons the flesh has in its arsenal, how many obstacles it sets in your way, the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. Because God fights, always has, and always will fight for his people. I'm reminded of Moses and the the children of Israel as they are on the banks of the Red Sea coming out of Egypt. And as they are standing there with the Red Sea in front of them, Pharaoh and his army with chariots and and weapons bearing down on them, and the people of God are afraid. We read about this in Exodus 14. And, it, and I, I, it always, as I read it, it always brings chills to my spine as, I, as I'm thinking and I'm, I'm seeing Moses there reading. And he says, stand firm and watch the salvation of the Lord. God is going to fight for you this day. Oh, God fought for, for Joshua He fought for Gideon, for David, and God fights for you. Look at verse 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Brothers and sisters, God disarmed the flesh. He disarmed it. That's what it says. That's That's what Paul tells us in Colossians 2, verse 14 and 15. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. What did he do? He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. In who? In Christ. He took the the, the flesh's weapons. He, He bent back their swords. He broke their arrows in half. And how did he do it? through the person and work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Those who belong to Jesus, those who belong to Jesus Christ, belong to Christ, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Romans 6, verses 4 and 6 says, We were buried therefore with him, by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that the old self was what? Was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Brothers and sisters, the flesh has no power over you because it has been crucified in Christ, with Christ and we walk in newness of life. Weapons have no sting. They have no sting. He has come to dis- and to destroy the works 
of the flesh. You understand? You do not go to war with the flesh thinking you are going to win in your own strength. You must realize, you must know that the battle belongs to the Lord. Here is the question. Do you belong to Christ Jesus? Because only those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh. Those works of the flesh describe your everyday reality. And there is no desire, there is no desire within you to not do those things. But you continually do those things, these works of the flesh on a regular basis. I would like to plead with you right now to turn from your sins and to trust Christ. Trust him this morning. Turn from those works of the flesh. Their, their, their end is death. Their end is destruction. Place your faith, place your hope in Christ. And in Christ, therefore, crucify the desires of the flesh. Perhaps you are here and you deal with assurance. You deal with assurance. You, you, you ask the question, do I belong to Christ. You're coming up against these various roadblocks, these obstacles, these, these, these potholes. You, you, you have shrapnel wounds from the, the landmines. Do I belong to Christ? God in his grace, God in his mercy, provides evidences of the work of the Spirit that double as weapons to combat the flesh. Paul calls these evidences and these weapons the fruit of the Spirit. Now before we examine this fruit, it is vitally important that we understand where this fruit comes from. I was in Colorado last year and at a hotel, and I came out of the hotel, and there was all this fruit on the ground. There were small little fruits, probably about this size, and I, I didn't know. I didn't see a tree around. I didn't know what type of fruit it was. A friend came out the hotel, and he says, oh, that's a, that's a crab apple. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't see that. I'd never seen a crab apple before. I didn't know what a crab apple was. But he, he could identify the fruit. And there he pointed out the tree of where the fruit came from. First thing to understand about the fruit of the Spirit is it is just that. The fruit of the Spirit. This is not the fruit of human nature. Human nature, since the sin of Adam, is fleshly. Paul says so in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 3. For you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? Contrary to popular belief, 
Humans don't possess these traits, these fruits of the Spirit, simply because they are human. No, these are Holy Spirit-produced. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. These are fruit of the Spirit, not fruit of human nature. So perhaps you are thinking, you're like me, you, you're, you're thinking, can, can an unbeliever possess the fruit of the Spirit? I have, I have an unbelieving neighbor who, who shows patience when, with me when I, when I don't cut the grass in my yard or pull my garbage can in. I've got a, a co-worker that I know that doesn't believe in Jesus but they sure show me a lot of love and kindness. Isn't that fruit of the Spirit? Moral qualities, yes. Fruit of the Spirit, no. It is, it is true that unbelievers can possess these traits in some form or fashion, but, that, but, but the traits they possess are not spirit-birthed. They are not the supernatural production of a life that has been crucified with Christ. For this fruit that we are going to examine and look at today is produced by God the Holy Spirit. And do understand that it is nothing that you conjure up. These are not virtues that you will yourself, that you will yourself to do. John 15, 4 and 5 says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I am in him, he is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. This is fruit that is produced by the Spirit. But not only is it fruit that is produced by the Spirit, we must understand, and, and I want you to notice the language that Paul uses and how he contrasts the fleshly living with, with spirit living. Notice that Paul calls what the flesh produces works, plural, and what the Spirit produces fruit, singular. Fruit, it's fruit of the Spirit, not fruits of the Spirit. That is an important point because Paul is seeking to communicate that the, that the fruit of the Spirit should be seen as one unit, Together, a, a harvest, if, if you have been the recipient of the work of the Spirit, namely that your heart has been regenerated, turned from a heart of stone into a heart of flesh, that you've been given eyes to behold the, the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is fruit that you produce. Spirit produces this work in you. They are a harvest that you receive together. All of these fruits together you receive because you have been indwelt by the Spirit. Notice 
notice that these gifts, that, that these are not, I'm sorry, notice that these are not gifts of the Spirit. This is fruit of the Spirit. Gifts are given, as Paul says in, in Romans 12 and verse 6, we have gifts that differ, differ according to the grace given to us. Christians don't possess all the same gifts. Some have the gift of encouragement. Some have the, the gift of teaching. Some have the gift of evangelism. But, but they do possess all of the same fruit. Because we are all indwelt with one spirit, the same spirit. And that spirit produces the same fruit. It's not like some of us get love and others of us get kindness. Some of us get patience and, and others of us get gentleness. No. I know it seems like that sometimes. But we all receive the fruit together. So here is a good reminder for us. Because it is one fruit that we receive, we should be growing in every aspect of, those, of that fruit. John Stott says we have no liberty to pick and choose among these qualities. For it is together as a bunch of fruit or a harvest that they constitute Christ's likeness. To cultivate some without the others is to be a lopsided Christian. We need to know where the fruit comes from and understand the nature of it. It is Holy Spirit produced and every Christian receives all of the fruit. Let's spend some time now examining, examining the, the fruit of the Spirit and look at it as an evidence, as an evidence of the work of the Spirit in our lives, and then we will look at them as weapons, as a weapon to com combat the desires of the flesh or the works of the flesh. Evidence of the work of the Spirit. Please note that the fruit of the Spirit is evidence of the work of the Spirit. The fruit is not the work. The fruit is the evidence that there has been a work done in your heart. Matthew 12 and verse 33, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad for the tree is known by its fruit. What, what tangible evidences that we have here in this list? A bad tree cannot produce good fruit. The same is therefore true for a good tree. A, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit. The root determines what it produces. And so when Peter, in his, his second epistle in chapter 1, tells us to be diligent in confirming our calling and election, he has this fruit that we're going to speak of today in mind. He wants to make sure that we are observing these various evidences of the Spirit's work that produces this fruit in our lives. There are nine of them. There are nine of these virtues that we see here. And, but as we've seen, we are to take them as a whole. Let's, let's examine them individually. Love. Love. 
it is fitting that Paul would begin the list with love. For love is the one virtue that informs all the other virtues. Brothers and sisters, we have heard often before an unloving Christian is an oxymoron. To call yourself a Christian and not love is to be a hypocrite and demonstrate that the Holy Spirit has not done a work in you. 1 John 3 and verse 10 says, By this is, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. He later says in verse in chapter, chapter 3, verse 14, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Here is evidence of fruit of the Spirit, of, of the work of the Spirit in your life. A love that you are showing and displaying to your brothers and sisters in Christ. But not only to your brothers and sisters in Christ, but to your enemies as well. This is an evidence of the fruit of the Spirit. The, the work of the Spirit in your life. There's joy. Brothers and sisters, the Spirit produces joy in the believer. This is, the, this is the idea of, of gladness, of gladness, that there is an overwhelming sense of contentment and satisfaction in Jesus Christ. It is the, the joy of the Lord that gives the Christian his or her strength. Please notice, please notice that, that joy is, is not happiness. You don't have to be happy to be joyful. That's why Paul knows and understands this and, and says in Philippians chapter four, 4 to rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. Is your, is your Christian walk marked with joy and contentment in Jesus Christ? Can you sing? Can you, can you remember, if, if like me, if you, can you remember back to vacation Bible school days or Sunday school days when you, you sang that song, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay. Can you, can you look at your life? Can you see evidences of the joy of the Lord in your life? That's an evidence. That's fruit of the Spirit. That is, that is joy that the Spirit produces within you. There's peace. There's a, there's a, there's a phrase, there's a catchy little slogan that says, um, no, no God, N-O, God, N-O, no peace. No God, K-N-O-W, no peace, K-N-O-W. It's a, it's a clever little phrase, but it's full of so much truth. The fruit of peace is a freedom from worry. It is a rest that the Christian possesses. And understand that this peace has a significance. Its significance is found in the fact that you are at peace 
with God. Peace with God. Therefore, Romans 5, 1 says, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you realize that before Christ, that before you were in Christ, that, that God was your biggest enemy? The Bible says that you were at enmity with him. If you didn't worry, before you were in Christ, you should have. For Hebrews 10 and verse 31 says that it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Before Christ, God was your enemy, and therefore you had no peace. But in Christ, but in Christ, the, the, the fruit that the Spirit produces in your life, in Christ, we are no longer his enemies, but we are now his friends. We have peace with God, and to have peace with God means no worries, as Zimba says, for the rest of your days means no worries. It's your problem-free philosophy. Not a kuda matata. It's peace with God. Because to have peace with God informs that you're peace with others. It means no worries to have peace with God. There is patience. Can you can you look at your life first and, and, and understand and know and see the peace of God? To, can you, do you have a peace that, that passes all understanding? That's fruit, that's fruit that the Spirit produces. Fruit of patience. It can also be called long, long suffering. That, that you are willing to bear with others as, as God sanctifies them in Christ. The, the impatient Christian is the one who has forgotten the patience God had with them. I continue to say over and over and over again, I thought I was a patient person until I had children. I thought I was patient until I had children. Don't you know that God calls us the, the children of God? He calls us his children. But God is not like us. He's patient and he's long. He's long-suffering. The Lord, as 2 Peter 3.9 says, is not slow to fulfill his promise. As some count slowness, but is patient towards you not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Is your life marked with patience? It's an evidence, again, that the fruit of the Spirit produces within you. Kindness and goodness. Kindness and goodness, the, the two go hand in hand. The evidence of the Spirit's work in the believer is the fruit of kindness and goodness. And do you know what kindness in the believer looks like? It means following after the, like the kindness of our Lord. Meaning that 
in his mercy, he did not give us what we deserved. It looks like when our brother or sister is struggling with sin, we don't beat them over the head with the law. Or if they are suffering, we in that moment don't give them a systematic theology lesson. We show kindness and goodness to them by pointing them to the loving arms of Jesus. We comfort them and remind them of the gospel. Titus 3 and verse, Titus chapter 3, verse 3 and 5 through 5. We, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in, in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Are you always seeking to give people what they deserve? Or are you showing them the kindness and goodness of God by pointing them to the gospel of Jesus Christ? That's you. That's evidence. That is evidence of the fruit of the Spirit being wrought in your life. And there's, there's faithfulness. The Christian walk is a walk of faith in God, and God calls us to be faithful. He tells us to let your yes be yes and your no be no. And evidence of the work of the Spirit in the life is a life that seeks to be faithful because God is faithful. Doing what you say you are going to do when you said you would do it with a smile on your face. The work of the Spirit produces faithfulness in believers. Do your co-workers know you to be faithful? Can you be trusted? That is the fruit the Spirit produces in your life. Gentleness. Gentle. Gentle. Not harsh or ab abrasive. Can others come to you and know that they will receive a gentle response? Or is there one tool in your tool bag and it's a hammer? It shouldn't be. A Christian's life should be marked with gentleness and meekness. For Christ once again provides us the example. In Matthew 11 and 29, For take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in, in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. When others treated people harshly, Jesus was gentle. I'm reminded of the woman at the, the alabaster box who came to Jesus. And the man sitting around the table treated her harshly, but Jesus was gentle and received her. Can others come to you and know that you are gentle? That they, can they receive a kind word from you, a gentle response from you? That is the work of the Spirit in your life. And Paul ends 
with self-control. Self-control. Brothers and sisters, the life of the Christian should, should not be reckless. This relates to reckless living and rash decisions. The fruit the Spirit produces in the lives of believers, as one commentator says, is the power to keep himself or herself in check. The ability to know the line and not just not cross it, but also not know, know how, how not to get too close. But this is the, the work that the Spirit works within us. Titus 2 and 11 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Is your life marked with self-control? Can you see in, 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 in vices such as food and, and drink and, and movies and televisions and internet uses and your tongue? The list goes on and on. Do you observe self-control? If you do, that is fruit of the Spirit. That is the fruit that the Spirit of God is bearing in your life. Brothers and sisters, there's the list. There is the list. Those are evidences that we can look out, look at to, to match ourselves up against to confirm our calling and our election. These are the evidence that we as believers should be looking for as work of the Spirit in our life. Here is the wonderful truth about the fruit of the Spirit. Friends, Fruit grows. Do you know the nature of fruit? It grows on a tree when the tree is good and taken care of and planted in good soil and watered and there's sunlight beaming on it. Fruit, what happens to fruit? It grows. Oh, if you are firmly planted in the means of grace God has provided for growth, this fruit will grow. This will grow, this fruit will grow in your life. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. If you stand there, the works of the flesh are going to reveal themselves. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Tree that is planted by streams of living water, planted in the word of God, planted in the fellowship of the saints, planted and rooted deeply, attached to the vine of Jesus Christ, that fruit will grow. Therefore, therefore, as you are reading this list, and I know you're feeling discouraged because you don't live up to those things. You know you don't see all that fruit in your life. <laughs> therefore, do not be discouraged if you do not see fully ripe fruit in your life. There should be buds. 
There should, be, there should be buds in all of these areas, but no one has fully ripe fruit. For that does not come until glory, when we are fully transformed into the image of Christ, who displayed the, 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 the fully ripe fruit of the Spirit. Jesus lived all of, he walked fully in the Spirit, displaying love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness, fully ripe, fully ripe. And that's who we are being transformed into. These are evidences, evidences of the work of the Spirit in our lives. They are also weapons for the walk. They are weapons for this spiritual war. This battle against the flesh. That's the context in which Paul is giving them to the Galatians. He wants them to walk by the Spirit so that they will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's what we read in verse 16. Here's the deal. Paul says, if you don't want to gratify the desires of the flesh, if you are going to do battle with it, you have to walk according to the Spirit because the fruit that the Spirit produces is, is in you is the means or the weapon by which you do battle with the flesh. So Paul then brilliantly, brilliantly lists out the works of the flesh. He lists out the works of the flesh and then follows them up with the fruit of the Spirit, almost pitting them against one another, listing them in columns. And you know what? The fruit of the Spirit always trumps the works of the flesh. It always does. Brothers and sisters, that is the reason why we know that the fruit of the Spirit is supernaturally wrought. Because the Christian who walks by the Spirit responds with fruit when others are responding with the flesh. That is the difference. The Christian walking by the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit, trumps the flesh every time. Listen, it is easy to love those who are lovable. But the fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit produces love that enables you to love those who are unlovable. It enables you to love your enemy. To love like 1 Corinthians 13 tells us to love. Patience and kindness. Hopes all and believes all. That type of fruit is only fruit the Spirit can produce. Now it's easy to be faithful when you have a job that pays you well and treats you good. But the faithfulness the Spirit of God produces in your life is like the faithfulness of Joseph, who was hated by his brothers, sold into slavery. He was sold into slavery, wrongly convicted, thrown into prison, and forgotten. But the Bible says that Joseph remained faithful. It is one thing to have joy when things are good. 
Money in your pocket and food in your stomach. But to say like Job, after he lost his children and all of his possessions, and his body is ravaged with with sickness, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, that is fruit only the Holy Spirit produces in you. You are not working up that type of joy in your life. Spirit-produced, the fruit of the Spirit trumps the work of the flesh because it's just that. It's fruit of the Spirit. And Paul says in verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. In other words, if you are in Christ, it is by the working of Holy Spirit in your heart. And if you are indwelt with Holy Spirit, then the fruit is yours. Now walk in it. Walk in it. Keep in step with it. You see, when you keep in step with the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit the Spirit produces, enables you to do battle with the works of the flesh. If you are walking in love, then enmity and strife have not a chance. Self-control? If the Spirit of God is producing self-control in you and you are walking in it, Drunkenness and, and envy should not be a problem. Peace and dissension, peace, dissensions and division should be non-existence. Joy. Why the need to envy if you are content in Christ? Brothers and sisters, if you are in Christ, all this fruit is yours. It's yours. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. It's all yours. Paul's exhortation to the Galatians and to us is walk in it. Walk in it. Be led by the Spirit. Here's the deal. If you want to go to war with the flesh, you must be, you must be in Christ. You must be in Christ. He fights your battle by producing in you the spirit-wrought fruit. Now walk in it. Be led by the spirit. And do not gratify the desires of the flesh. Because when you are walking in the spirit, it trumps the work of the flesh every time. It's the only way you're going to be able to do battle with the works of the flesh. Oh, if you are not in Christ, if you are not in Christ this day, I pray that you would trust him. Get in him. Turn, repent from your works of the flesh and place your faith in Christ. And see those works of the flesh crucified. Crucified with Christ on the cross. Oh, what a, what a wonderful truth. To remember this morning, walk by the Spirit, and so, therefore, not gratify the desires of the flesh. They're yours, Christian. 
They're yours, Christians. Walk in them.